Before you decide to listen to this week's episode, this episode contains a conversation around suicide, and I know that this can be triggering to some people. And while I would still encourage you to listen, trust yourself. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts and you're not sure where to turn, in the U.S., you can call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255 or online at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And if you're outside the U.S., you can go to suicideprevention.wikia.com slash wiki slash online. I'll post a link to that in the show notes. As we learn more and we gain new skills and we sort of wrestle in the suck, identify what area we're trying to grow in, and we work on it and we develop mastery, we are then going to be taking on new challenges, which then creates the cycle all over again. Because when you take on new challenges, now you're no longer in that area of mastery. You are, you're the beginner again, and you need to gain new skills and develop new strategies. And so it's, it's the cycle that keeps on happening. So I, just, I think it's a reason for hope and a kind of excitement and curiosity. Just keep going after it. And when you fall down, keep resetting, right? ADHD Rewired, episode 248. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. We often have a couple coaches or mental health professionals who join our coaching groups. This is one of them. I don't know how much experience people in the group have with like group coaching and stuff like this, but this is just like in such another universe of quality and everything. Eric, like you're preaching about perfectionism, but you are not modeling (laughs) good enough work. You are modeling extremely high quality high quality work and I just um, I know this comes from iterating and so that's a real inspiration to me but just your commitment to making this so good for us and it's just really unparalleled I've never experienced anything like this and I just really appreciate all of the ground rules and boundaries that you set I appreciate how you help us with the social elements by giving us feedback about everything this is just completely unmatched I've spent a lot of money on on stuff like this in the past to have it be really phoned in. I have been a little bit jaded and a little bit reticent to sign up for stuff like this. And this has just completely blown me out of the water. So I gave lots and lots of feedback on my feedback form, but I just wanted to publicly acknowledge like this is just unreal. So, so appreciated. Makes such a huge difference. Go to coachingrewired.com to RSVP for our winter coaching group registration event. You only have four chances left, Thursday, December 6th at 4 p.m. Central, and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. Monday's the 10th at 5 p.m. Central, Tuesday the 11th at 4 p.m., and if need be, Wednesday the 12th at 11 a.m. Central. I know I just threw a ton of numbers at you, but don't worry, it's all at the website. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more and to RSVP for that registration event. That's coachingrewired.com. This group is like the first year at Hogwarts. 
where you finally figure out why things have been different. And it's the same difference for all these people. And they understand you. Next Tuesday is our live Q&A at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. Go to ADHDrewire.com slash events to register. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is Alex High. Alex is a new ADHD coach from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, who's launching his new coaching practice, Reset ADHD. His mission is to help people with ADHD hit the reset button on their ADHD. Like myself and a lot of people who have been on the podcast before, Alex is turning his mess into his message. As I'm sure we're going to discuss, Alex has had to hit that reset button a fair number of times in his life. I met Alex at the 2018 conference on ADHD at the Talent Show, and Alex shared a poem that he wrote that I don't think there was a a dry eye in the room. I I know I got goosebumps listening to it, um, which is when I came up to you, because I knew I wanted to help you tell your story. So, Alex, it's spelled Alex Hay, but it's pronounced Hi. Um, I think you'll pronounce either Hey Hi. If you look him up, it's spelled like Hey H U I. All right. So, Alex, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I would love to actually just have you start with that that poem that you shared. So, yeah, when you're when you're ready, go ahead. My name is Alex, and I am not okay. Just before midnight on Wednesday, October 31st, 2018, I drove to Avera Behavioral Health Center because I couldn't stop identifying all of the things in my house that could be used as a noose. I went there because I have no intention of leaving. So this is a promise I make to my family, to my friends, to all those who care about me, to all those who hate me, to strangers, and to anyone who will listen. I will stay. I will stay because there are words I have not written yet. I will stay because there is a beagle named Charlie and an Alaskan Klee named Ace who love me and depend on me for food and exercise. I will stay because I am the only ADHD coach in the state of South Dakota, and that means there's probably someone out there who needs me. I will stay because there are people who will miss me if I was gone, and that means there is something about me that people like, even if I don't know what that is. I will stay because if I kill myself, the two women who dumped me this year might blame themselves. And the thoughts I have right now are not their fault. I will stay because there is beauty in this world, even if I can't recognize it right now. I will stay because someday someone might need me to say, I survived, and you can too. I will stay because I believe life is precious. I will stay because I believe God has a purpose for my life. I will stay because I will not accept defeat. Thanks, Alex. Share with us a little bit about... What was going on uh, when, when he wrote that? I believe it was the day after. So it would have been November 1st. The day after you were broken up with? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I was dumped you know, October 31st. Um, and then a couple hours later, went to uh, the mental health facility here in town that does 24-hour uh, mental health evaluations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it was just kind of reflecting on... Uh, everything that had happened. Um, I'd met with my therapist earlier that day and I was just, yeah, kind of wanting to let other people know what had happened because I don't want to leave. I want to stay. I want to keep living, but those thoughts were there. And so, yeah, I knew I was going to be going to a poetry open mic Saturday. So in two days and wanted 
again, just tell everyone what what's going on, anyone who would listen and just to have, I guess, in a way, an accountability partner with everyone that I am promising to stay. And I felt like if I promised people that I would stay, it would give me more reason to stay and it would sort of increase the barriers to uh, taking my own life. And so, yeah, it was just an opportunity to hit the reset button on my life and just say, you know what, let's hit the reset button. Let's start over. Let's get some new strategies in place. Let's tell people what's going on. And, and again, you know, I say in there that, you know, someday someone might need me to say I survived and you can too. And it's one of those things that, yeah, I share the poem with other people and they enjoy it. But like I wrote the poem for me mm. more than anything. So you have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed at the age of 20. Okay. And how old are you now? 25. Okay. What about, um, do you have a history of depression? There have been times in my life, you know, pe- a lot of people with ADHD can relate to struggling socially. And so kind of fifth, sixth grade is kind of when I started to notice that I wasn't quite uh, socially adept and really struggled in that area and kind of felt alone. And yeah, just didn't really feel like I had anyone I could talk to or trust and kind of went inward. And, and that was just not a healthy place to be. Didn't really have a faith life. Didn't talk to my parents, didn't have a good relationship with really anyone. And so when I was all alone like that, it was, yeah, it was really hard. I didn't want to wake up in the morning. And, and then, yeah, um, I mentioned in the poem, I've been dumped twice this year and, the, I took the first breakup um, quite hard as well. And so, yeah, it was not good. You know, sometimes with, uh, um, there's this phrase that, uh, um, that's, that's used, uh, I think this is a phrase that, uh, James Ochoa, uh, created the idea of the emotional storm. Would you say that the, those breakups is really sort of was a, a catalyst or, or the emotional storm or was there, was there already sort of a level of, of sort of maybe depression uh, uh, prior to that happening? And, and this is sort of just like the, the straw, if you will. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that I've uh, been discussing with my therapist and I allude to it in the poem that like the breakups are not why I, I have those thoughts from mm-hmm. time to time. Um, if yeah, I've been kind of realizing that uh, it goes back many, many years, we had a breakthrough with my therapist a couple of weeks ago where we realized that like, I've been, you know, trying to keep relationships together that are falling apart, trying to fix things and putting other people's feelings, needs ahead of my own and just making my own thoughts and feelings secondary. And so that was the kind of big break breakthrough was that my thoughts and feelings matter and I shouldn't you know, sacrifice what I need for someone else. And, and yeah, so that's been going on for a long time and always that, and because of that, I'm always seeking validation and from others and I don't even give it to myself. And so when people reject me or I feel rejected, like I take it really hard because I don't support myself enough, you know? I think a lot of uh, a lot of us with ADHD uh, experience that. I know there's that uh, another uh, a term that's not a, a you know not in the DSM, uh, but the, the idea of, of rejection sensitive dysphoria. 
Um, so as a, for, since listeners don't see this, Alex's eyes just totally lit up as like, <laughs> yep, that's the thing. Yeah. No, when I first read about it, I was like, holy crap, this makes a lot of sense now. Cause like, yeah, if I don't hear from a friend for a while, I'll think, oh, they don't like me anymore. And really we just get busy, you know? So what, what was, you know, I think that, that for a lot of us who have kind of realizations as we're working through trying to understand you know, our ADHD, but then also all the other kind of things that come along with our ADHD. Cause you know, so often we, I like to say that, that ADHD often comes with friends. They're just, you know, they're not the kind of friends yeah. we necessarily want to keep around. You know, the friends like depression and anxiety, you know, all, all those other, uh, those other yeah. things that just, you know, can make, make our life difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. What was, what were some of the things that sort of helped you identify uh, that that you really are seeking validation from others and that you're having a hard time to really giving that to yourself? Yeah, uh, talking with other people and having them reflect back to you. So if you have a therapist, a spiritual director, a coach, someone like that who can hear what you're saying and then reflect back on what's going on through there, um, even a good group of friends, um, and I, I've had a couple of people ask me, you know, Alex, you talk about, you know, seeking support from other people. Like, do you seek support from yourself? And after a couple of people said that and kind of showed it to me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on there. So how do you seek support from yourself? Well, that's the thing is, like, I haven't been. And so realizing that I've started at least a little bit as much as I can is to be more aware of what I'm thinking. And when I catch myself speaking poorly of myself to myself, I try and catch that and correct it. And, and then point out things that I, I like about myself. Um, you know, in that poem, you know, I talk about all the reasons I'm staying, but like, there are also things about me that I, I, I need to learn to appreciate. And, you know, being fresh out of a relationship, you kind of have a chance to rediscover yourself a bit. And so it's been kind of fun to, relearn with the things that I'm passionate about, the things that I like. And yeah, I even have gotten ideas about, you know, starting to write love poetry to myself. Mm. Um, I think I have a poem in my poetry notebook somewhere where it's write yourself a love poem, Alex, you deserve it. You may not think you deserve it, but you do. Do, do you have that? Uh... I do. Yeah. Let me see if I can. All right. Uh, we actually just pause the audio for a moment to uh, to get Alex a little bit of better sound. He's got a, a better mic connected now. So uh, you guys didn't know any of that all happened. But I wanted you to know that that just happened. Um, <laughs> so I wrote down what we were about to do. Otherwise, we would probably not remember what we were about to do. And uh, mm-hmm. you were going to uh, you're looking in your, your journal um, for you have a, a, a love poem to yourself. Was that I intended it to be a love poem to myself, but it turned out me telling myself to write a love poem so okay okay so sort of meta yeah okay okay go ahead so here it goes it's called write a love poem you are ready to love you love to love you need to love so write a love poem you've been dumped twice this year but it's time to write another love poem you need to write another love poem you have an incredible capacity to love So write a love poem. Give your love to a new muse. Write a love poem for yourself. After being dumped twice this year, you may not feel you deserve it, but you do. Write yourself a love poem, Alex. 
you deserve it. I love that. Have you written other stuff like that where you're sort of writing poetically about what sort of an intention that you want to do? Yeah, in a way. I mean, there's nothing entirely that sticks out quite in my memory is like, oh, this is a perfect example of that. But there have been a few poems where yeah, I'm kind of looking to the future and, and hoping for something, something grand, you know? Mm. How long have you been writing poetry for? Um, the first time I remember writing a poem was in the eighth grade. Uh, we were doing a poetry unit and our teacher made us write a poem about poetry. And I, of course, being the rebellious 13, 14-year-old punk decided to write a poem about how much I hated poetry. And my teacher loved it, thought it was great. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, kind of in high school, I started writing poems of unrequited love. When there's a girl I liked who didn't like me back, I'd write a poem about it. And that kind of grew and grew and grew. And then started writing some poetry in my prayer journal, um, kind of to aid my spiritual life. And... And then, what, uh, a couple years ago, yeah, about two years ago, I was going through my computer on, and found the folder where I kept all of the unrequited love poetry and was like, oh, this is going to be awful. And then I read them and I was like, you know, these are actually kind of good. So, I bought this uh, notebook I have, uh, my poetry journal, and started writing more poetry and yeah, it just turned into kind of a fun hobby. And back in April, I started going to poetry open mics. And mm. Awesome. Awesome. What's the process for you like when you write? An idea hits me. And if I put it down on paper immediately, it might become something. If I don't put it down on paper immediately, there's a good chance it never gets written. Um, <laughs> so that's why there's uh, my phone. I also have uh, like a folder of poems because I don't always have my poetry notebook with me when an idea hits. Um, but yeah, when it comes to writing, it's one of those things where if an idea hits me, I'll maybe jot a few ideas down. And if it's one of those ideas that doesn't go away, it becomes something. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like what Lin-Manuel Miranda said about the musical Hamilton is that like he kept hearing Hamilton whisper in his ear, tell my story, tell my story. And so that's kind of what happens with me with writing is like an idea comes and if it becomes the full manifested idea, it's because like it was an idea that I couldn't let go mm. and I needed to write about. I think so much of what we, uh, you know, this, this podcast is about and, and I think why uh, even like conferences, you know, or, or people with ADHD are so powerful it's in a lot of ways, it's a storytelling conference, right? It's people, whether it's the, the informal conversations that you're having with people in the hallways or uh, the speakers that are presenting uh, and everything in between. I think hearing people share the stories that, you know, I think when we think that we're the only ones that go through something and then we hear someone else like speak something that like, wait, I could have had that very same thought. And I thought I was the only one. There is something that I, I kind of refer to it as, I think, uh, like a goosebumps powerful, right? Yeah. You know, that, that part that just, it, it resonates through your entire body and it's, it's, you pay attention kind of no matter what to it because it, 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 oh, it kind of wakens us in so many ways. Yeah. I found that a lot. The more I research ADHD, you read something and you're like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. That's why I do that thing. 
I was reading Dr. Hollowell's book, uh, or one of them, and he mentioned that people with ADHD typically have a zany sense of humor. And I was like, oh, I thought I was just weird. And like, because yeah, that was something I heard growing up a lot too, is that I had a different sense of humor. It was a weird sense of humor. And yeah, I was going to say and zany like, and uh, different. Those just like nice words for like, like odd and slightly inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it wasn't so much inappropriate. It's just off the wall weird. Like Monty Python is. Yes. I really like Monty Python because it's so weird and out there, you know? Yes. Uh, I, I think that's something uh, very relatable. You said a little bit ago that uh, some of the work you've been doing with your, your therapist, you've been trying to identify uh, um, sort of those negative thoughts and, and to correct those negative thoughts. Right, which is kind of a core of what, what cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is all about. Would you feel comfortable sharing like some of those thoughts that, that you find yourself, uh, that you find occurring and then and how you correct those, how you identify and replace those? Yeah. I mean, it's really hard sometimes because it's like, it's something that's so ingrained in me that like you become numb to it, mm. you know, numb to the thought or numb to the feeling probably numb to the thought like you don't recognize that it's happening and then it does have an effect on mm. your feelings and emotions um yeah so you know i'll catch myself you know if i'm procrastinating something like that or or if i just slip up and do something i'll start calling myself stupid and whatever and all that was a dumb thing to do alex why did you do that or if i'm just around my house moving from task to task and i'll i'll do or say something weird and just start making random noises is something I do sometimes, especially if there's no noise going on. I just want um, you to know that I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and I also make weird faces in front of the mirror when nobody else is watching. So, I, oh yeah, do you do that too? Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, because I've done like theater and com- in high school, I do com- have done community theater in the past. So like, yeah, like doing practicing facial features like how would i look if i was playing a villain how would i look if i were you know the village idiot and yeah sometimes yeah and i did improv in college so it was all about creating characters on the on the fly and so yeah so so you make a mistake at something and yes you, there that, we go that automatic thought was was what Oh, you're stupid, or you know, if I'm doing something weird, gosh, you're weird and stuff okay. like that. So, what? Are, and, what do you? How do you correct those thoughts then? And so, well, first you have to notice them, and you have to stop thinking those things. Sometimes, you, you, so you have to catch it early because mm-hmm. if you get down those negative thought spirals, and then soon you can't stop them. So you have to catch them early. Pause. Maybe take a couple of deep breaths and say, "Okay, Alex, like this isn't true." Um, you're being too hard on yourself and then sort of take those behaviors and give yourself um, a compliment in them. Um, if you make a mistake, you're like, well, at least you tried, you know, you're trying to do X, Y, or Z and the intention is good. May not have turned out exactly how you wanted, but you know, the intention was good. Or if you do something weird, you know, you point out that that's what makes you fun. That makes what makes you goofy and fun. And you like goofy and having fun. You know, you l- you like being serious and intellectual too, but like you also need to let loose and be fun, you know? And do you find, because uh, um, I know, and I, I've been in and out of, of therapy my, my, really my entire life, and um, I mean, it, it's, it probably took many years for those kinds of strategies to really sort of in that moment to, to really sort of connect, um, where uh, several years ago, I, uh, I remember I was having, I was uh, starting to feel physically very anxious 
Um, and then I have this, the, you know, the, one of those thoughts that really only leads to more anxiety. And the thought is, I don't want to feel anxious right now. Right. It's yeah. right. And I remember very specific. So it was, it was the winter time I was getting, I was pumping gas in my car and I was feeling this really high level of, of anxiety. And I noticed that I had that thought of, I don't want to feel anxious right now. And then I, then I remember sort of catching that thought and saying, let me just notice where physically that anxiety is living. Right. Like, Notice in my in my gut, in my stomach, like where does that feeling begin? Where does it end? Like how how much depth and dimension does that feeling have? And I really just got curious about just looking at the feeling, not trying to push it away. And I remember this, it was it's almost weird in some ways where so I remember and all this is occurring so quickly, right? Like we can have I mean it's amazing how many thoughts we can have in like one second, right? So I'm, I'm doing this and I'm refocusing my, my attention to just explore the anxiety without trying to push it away. And I start pumping the gas. And I just remember the, the, this feeling of my body just relaxing. Like soon, the moment like I had, I shifted my attention, just, just focus on the anxiety. Right? In a curious, non-judgmental, not trying to change anything kind of way. And as I started pumping the gas, I just noticed this shift in my body. I'm just like, oh, I'm okay. Right, there's this physical feeling just kind of, I guess, went into my gas pump. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I can relate to that. Um, trying to remember when this was, but a few months ago, um, I was walking my dog and I was having all sorts of anxiety. Um, had found out, I think, like the day before that the first girl who dumped me this year is already engaged, but like in discovering that she was engaged, like. I recognize that the pain I was feeling at that time was pain from like when she dumped me and started dating someone else basically right away. And I was like, this isn't new pain. And so I felt better mm -hmm. about it. So like the next day when I was again, having anxiety and I was like, you know what, Alex, it's a beautiful night outside. You're being anxious about something that like doesn't bother you anymore. Just relax, enjoy the beautiful day. and like. It was so relaxing. Like I was listening to music, but like I'd stopped paying attention to it because like I just wanted to be in the moment mm -hmm. and relaxed and enjoy the beautiful weather. You, know, you had uh, a little bit ago, you said something about like trying to, to stop a certain thought from coming in. And, you know, one of the things about these, these thoughts that, you know, are that lead to us feeling all kinds of feelings is that, you know, in, in cognitive behavioral therapy, they're called automatic thoughts or automatic negative thoughts. So you can't really stop a thought that's automatic, right? What we can do, though, is we can change how we respond when that thought shows up. Now, one of my, my um, sort of favorite approaches that, that I use personally is when, I'm, uh, when my head's doing the tailspin and, you know, the, uh, the, the, the inner asshole in my brain is, is you know, taking the mic and, uh, you know, just all, all this BS that, that – happen in our brain so uh so quickly is just go huh that's a thought like not even judging the thought or describing the thought just really just noticing that's a thought right like it's an electrical signal that's occurring in the brain that somehow miraculously gets standard language so that we can understand it like if we kind of pull back from any thought with that perspective it's kind of fascinating at least i i find it to be uh fascinating in that realm 
Yeah, I, I can't say that I just refer to a thought as a thought. I don't, I don't think I've done that. But, you know, the idea of like stepping back and looking at it with fresh eyes and like kind of distancing yourself from it for a moment, that's really powerful. Um, one of the things I've kind of tried to start doing is to think about stories from your past. And it's so easy for a memory to be sparked. And you can quickly go down that negative, oh, this is such a bad moment in my life. But if you look back, you can also like find the good in that. I think some of our toughest challenges have made us grow. Like 2018 has been a rough year for me. I've been dumped twice, lost a friend to cancer, was in the hospital, had a rare bacterial infection in my intestines. Uh, when I was in the hospital, my kidneys had stopped working. So like, it's been a really rough year, but I've grown so much this year and I've learned a lot and I've learned especially a lot about myself and like what I want out of life that like, yeah, I'm going to look, you can easily look back at this year and say, Oh, 2018 can go to, you know, where, but like a lot of good has happened. So like mm -hmm. when we have those painful thoughts, painful memories, you can look at it, take a step back and say, okay, here's the good in this. Here's where I grew from this. You know, I look back at, you know, the first breakup and say, you know what, that was horrible. That was rough. It sucked. But you know what? I survived. And that says something about my perseverance. And I'm sure I'm going to say that, you know, kind of as this second breakup kind of, I'm kind of getting ready to move on, but not quite all the way out of the woods yet. So like, I'm going to be able to look back at that and say, yeah, that took a lot of perseverance. It took a lot of courage, yeah. you know, to, especially when it comes to sharing, you know, what happened few hours after I got dumped, you know? You know, I think that um, as, as someone who's been, you know, has, has experienced just a lot of challenges uh, throughout throughout my life, one of the things that uh, yeah, I really, when I'm in that that moment of, uh, let's call it the suck, like when like, you know, <laughs> shit's just hard and you're like, I want this feeling to go away and why do these things keep blowing up in my face? And, and actually this happened uh, very, very recently to me. And, and while it's, you know, Knowing that you're going to get through it um, is helpful to a degree, but what I find to be helpful is say, okay, this this sucks right now, but try to stay curious about what what do I think I'm going to learn from this experience? Yeah, I think it's easy in those moments to like just zoom in on the narrow, tiny bit and say, oh, this is awful. But if you zoom out, you can see a larger plan at work. You can see like, oh, this is how x y or z is gonna happen like during that first breakup i i got very good at saying okay like this sucks right now but something good is gonna come from this i don't know what i don't know why you know this is happening in my life but like there's a purpose behind this and it's gonna help me become a better person oh, i had another thought but i can't remember that you know that's all right what, what i actually want to do speaking of uh becoming a better person i want to take a quick break to uh tell people about the upcoming coaching groups. If people are interested in becoming a better person themselves and learning uh, you know, strategies and connection with other people. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. I call my wife to give me feedback about how she sees me doing in terms of my ADHD. She lets me know when I've been doing well. She also will give me a gentle reminder if I've been leaving more messes than usual or if she sees that I've been on my phone too much like she did last weekend. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Self-awareness and self-monitoring are two executive functions that can be affected by ADHD. So when we asked one of our coaching group alum to assess their own progress, he decided to ask his wife. Before this group, I was not a very good self-observer. 
And after, I am still not a very good <laughs> self-observer. So I actually asked my wife, and I really didn't know what she'd say. So I just made a list of the things that she said. She said that I have had a lot less uh, panic attacks, that I seem less angry all the time. I still sometimes say no, but before I would get overwhelmed and shut off, and now I do that a lot less. I handle all of her frustrations a lot better, and she feels that she can share those more safely. She loves that I write things down all the time now, and she likes that I guess I come to her more, and so follow through with things that I've talked about. I don't shut down. Apparently that came up a couple times. She said it was really hard in the beginning to adjust to the time commitments and all the things surrounding the group, but she was able to adjust to it and felt very loved that I followed through and didn't quit. But in general, that she's feeling more hopeful. And before the group, I was not very hopeful. So I relatively recently was diagnosed with ADHD. And especially even more recently, I've been trying to learn about ADHD. So through that process, I came across your podcast and group and knew I really wanted to and needed to do this. And I'm really glad I did. Investing in your ADHD management really is an act of love and self-compassion. When our ADHD is not well managed, it doesn't only affect us, it affects the people we love. If your ADHD is impacting your ability to show up in your life in the way that you really want to, come join us this January for our 15th season of coaching and accountability groups. Hanukkah is here. Christmas is just around the corner. Give yourself the gift of growth and community. Give yourself the life-changing gift of ARC 15. ARC is ADHD Rewired Coaching. A happier, healthier, less stressed, more productive future can be yours. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I can tell you it's going to be worth it. Our next registration event is this Thursday, December 6th at 4 p.m. Central Time. And then next week is the final week. We have registration events Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Check the website for the times. But don't wait. To learn more, do RSVP for our final registration events. Go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. All right, we are back with Alex Hyde, and uh, we are um, we are just talking about you know some of uh, how to make the most out of the moments when we're in the suck, right? Yeah. Um, you, you shared with us some of your your poems. Something else I wanted to explore a little bit with you is um, I'm not a, a religious person by any at all. I know that that, that spirituality and and prayer is something that's very important to you. Um, Something that you shared with me um, when we first uh, spoke is that you were, um, I think this is when you first got diagnosed, like one of the things you were struggling with was, was focus during prayer. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think, I think it's a really interesting thing, something that we haven't really explored uh, here on the podcast. Yeah. Well, it's something that not a lot of people have explored. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I am working on a book about, you know, my faith life and having ADHD. So yeah, in college, I had a lot of time for prayer. Um, again, not much of a social life. Um, and being intelligent, didn't have to spend a lot of time on schoolwork, also didn't want to spend a lot of time on schoolwork. Um, so yeah, just in prayer, a lot of, a lot of distractions and not being able to focus and, you know, when your faith life is so important to you and it's the most important thing in your life and then you can't focus on it, it really 
makes you start to second guess like how good of a Christian you are and like, oh, you say all these things, you go to church all the time, but like, do do you actually, you know, are you actually that good of a Christian? Like if you were a better Christian, wouldn't you be able to focus in prayer mm-hmm. and like all of those negative thoughts? And it's just like, ah, this really sucks. And so one day I was praying in a chapel and, and like just couldn't focus at all. And, and I, I, I said, something's not right here. Something has to be done. And that's kind of what led me to seek an ADHD diagnosis. Hmm. So take us through that a little bit more about um, like, how are you, how are you feeling? Like what, what continue about the, the stories that maybe you were, you were telling yourself at that time about, I uh, said about, you know, not being a, a good Christian or um, I mean, for people who aren't Christian for just a good, whatever you want to, you know, a good yeah, person, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, like, were you feeling just like, like a sense of shame? Like what? Yeah. A lot of shame. Um, you know, young people aren't super into the faith, especially my faith. And so like when little old church ladies see a young person at church, they, they're excited. Like, Oh, it's so good. You're here. <laughs> and like, Oh, I saw you across the way. You look so reverent. And like, you feel like a fraud when you're not focusing. And so that, that was one of the biggest things I felt like a fraud, mm-hmm. like all these people, even some people looked up to me as like a model of how to, you know, live your faith. And, and yeah, it was just really hard to know, like, yeah, but I don't, I don't focus. And like that shame was huge. How do you deal with that now? Well, n- now I recognize like, this is the way God made me. And if he wanted me to focus more in prayer, he would have given me a different brain. But um, now like just, knowing I have ADHD is kind of empowering. Now I can, you know, figure out how my brain works, what's going to help me focus when I'm trying to pray and use strategies to help me get deeper into prayer and find, you know, unique ways of praying. Hmm. So, and that's, that's still a very important part of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're, you just recently, uh, uh, kind of officially launched your, your practice, um, mm-hmm. reset ADHD. Or ADHD reset, reset ADHD. I was like, "Where are my notes?" I hope I hope my memory serves me right. Uh, reset ADHD, great name by the way. Because um, I, I mean, you. it's I think that's such a I mean to emphasize what I think probably one of the most important parts of of I think being successful, however you want to define success with mm-hmm. ADHD, is is that ability to get back up, right? And yeah. you know. For for so long, I used to focus so much on on consistency, right? It's like, how do we be more consistent? It's like, you know what? Yes, there are things that we can do to be more consistent, but I think we're better focusing our attention on recognizing when we've fallen off the horse, skipping the part where we're beating ourselves up for falling off the horse, and just get back up. Yeah. A couple things about the name of my business. Number one, I did with permission, steal it from my brother and sister. Um, one's a chiropractor, one's a therapist, and they have a practice up in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Yeah, St. Louis Park. And uh, yeah, so like they had this great name. I was like, yeah, that's what I want. But like, not necessarily in the way they're hitting the reset button. I, I likened it to like playing video games. I remember being a little kid and playing uh, N64 with my older brother and we'd be playing some sports game and it'd get towards the end of the fourth quarter and I'd be way behind. Like at halftime, I begged him to let me quit and he wouldn't let me. And so we kept playing, we kept playing and I'm still way behind. And But the N64 had this little reset button on it. And if you hit it before the game ended, 
you didn't lose because the game never ended. And so like, that's kind of the philosophy I'm taking to uh, my business is like, let's hit the reset button instead of admitting defeat. Hmm. But whatever I did, it was able to sneak past my brother's protective protection of the reset button and hit the reset button and we had to start the game over again, I would still lose <laughs> because I would do the same things and use the same strategy. Mm. So like part of my business model is to yes, hit the reset button. But when you go into it again, you use different strategies. So you don't make the same mistakes. You don't fall down the same holes and trapped in the same way again. So what, what made you want to become an ADHD coach? Um, again, you know, I was writing that book about, you know, uh, my faith life and uh, having ADHD. And then a friend of mine was really struggling with focus and anxiety. And so he was going to get tested for ADHD. And so it was, he kept asking me questions about ADHD kind of through the process and what it's like to be tested. And, and so I just kind of walked with him through that. And it made me discover this like passion I have for helping people with ADHD. And where I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, like there's very few resources um, if you want to get into a psychiatrist, it's like months. Hmm. And so, yeah, like when I got tested, I had to wait like a month before I could even get tested and then like wait another month or two until I could get, you know, medication because I had a psychologist test me and then a psychiatrist gave me the medication. And so, like, just not a lot of resources for ADHD. And like, if you go to like uh, Chad or Ada's website and you're looking for ADHD professionals, like in South Dakota, you see two names, some uh, therapist on, in Rapid City, which is like the opposite side of the state from me. And then you see me. So like, it's a definite need here in South Dakota. And so like me wanting there to be more resources, like, so okay, you are the I can only do that. ADHD I can feel that coach that you know of in South Dakota. That I know of, like there was somebody for a while in Sioux Falls, but I don't think she's either, she's either not in the area or not practicing anymore, but yeah. Wow. And so who do you, who is it that you want to be working with? Um, you know, people keep asking me about my niche and be, I feel like this sort of civic duty right now because I'm the only ADHD coach to really take anyone. Um, but, you know, looking back um, kind of in my life, you know, in high school, in college, and as a young adult, like that's kind of where I really wanted the interventions. Um, and so, yeah, like preferably, you know, high school, college, young adults is kind of where I'd like to be. But, you know, I'm new and there's not a lot of resources here in South Dakota, so I will take other people. But um, yeah, so I guess if you're in South Dakota, I'll, I'll take you whoever you are. <laughs> but I would say if you know, because I can do it over Skype or the phone, preferably Skype, because that way I can see body language. Um, so I would prefer if, you know, if you want to do things remotely that, you know, if you're living, you know, wherever, I would prefer, you know, kind of young adult area people. So kind of someone who's maybe similar to you. Yeah. And yeah, because like, again, one of the things that kind of got me into it was, you know, helping my friend who's, you know, the same age as me as he's being tested for ADHD. He ended up not getting diagnosed, by the way, but... You open to an idea? Because <laughs> we can easily turn this into a, a mastermind session, and it's uh, just, you know, brainstorming some strategies. Um, I don't know if there is anybody who uh, does ADHD coaching who focuses on, um, sort of like, Christian ADHD coaching. I There is a Facebook page for the Catholic ADHD coach, but Interesting. He, he doesn't post a whole lot. Okay. So he did, I, I think he did do a Thanksgiving post this year. I like him on Facebook. I don't even know his name. 
know his Facebook page is Catholic ADHD coach. But yeah, you know, like I absolutely would welcome that sort of thing into my practices. Because, you know, you want to help out people with ADHD in basically every area which it affects their life, which is every area of their life. Right. And so, yeah, yes. if if you want to talk about focus and prayer, like that's something absolutely I want to help people with. Yeah. And and I would also just encourage you to, to not shy away from, you know, uh, uh, your, your Christian identity and any of your your uh, marketing um, you know, cause that's going to attract people who you're probably going to enjoy working with because they have those similar values to you. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I have reached out to my church and say, Hey, you know, with the religious education programs, like if there's any trouble with kids with ADHD, like I'm willing to, you know, volunteer my time to help, you know, uh, the religious education volunteers, like to help manage the classroom when you have ADHD students in the classroom. Cause I heard, uh, that people in the, eastern side of south dakota uh the catholic church in there like some some parishes are saying you know keep your kids at home we'll send all the materials home with you do your religious education Uh at home and not sort of excluding them from the religious education program and that set me off like Uh so yeah i met with some people from the diocese they have my business cards and like keep keep doing i'm I'm a resource there you know and i'll tell you too uh the when when i uh so i started my practice uh as a, as a therapist, you know, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And um, what I did, because I, I started my practice basically the day after I got laid off from my, my uh, job after, and it was the same week that uh, my wife and I just signed a mortgage. Uh, so now I had a Ooh. new mortgage and no job. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. So I, I was planning on starting a practice at some point, and it just happened to be that I was uh, given the point that I was going to start the practice, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that, that helped me, and I heard you say that it's sort of this civic uh, duty, uh, and I feel that a lot of that, that sense as well, um, where and this is really a, much of a, a win-win. It's a win for the community, and it can be a win for you, is go out and give free talks. Um, let people know kind of who you are, what you do. Um, even starting a, a meetup and talk, go talk to people about ADHD. And you'll, I, cause when I did that, I gave my first talk, um, uh, I think like a week or two after I was laid off. And within six months, I had, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to remember my time frame. No, it was six months and six months I had my first client. And then six months after that, I had a full practice, but it was largely due to giving talks. Yeah, I have reached out to like the Kiwanis Club and the Rotary Club and those types of organizations here in Sioux Falls. And then I got booked like a paid gig to nice. go speak at a school in Yankton, South Dakota. So about an hour drive and I get like an hour after school at a teacher's meeting. But like, A, I'm getting paid. Nice. Yes. And B, like, yes, like we need teachers to know about ADHD because my mom is a teacher and she talks about how like the new teachers coming out don't know squat about ADHD and they, and like it's the veteran teachers who have just had to learn about it because they're dealing with ADHD students all the time. Yeah. And, and even them, you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you know, my, my professionally, uh, so much of my work is done uh, with, with adults. Um, you know, that's, I don't, I don't coach kids. I don't, I don't work with parents anymore. I used to do that. Um, but the, the area that I do focus on with kids is, is working with, with schools and teachers uh, because I wasn't diagnosed until, I was in college, and so I want to help teachers understand what wasn't understood, um, you know, for, for me, um, you know, because if I can help 
uh, if I can help teachers identify and understand what they can really do to help their students, man, the ripple effect on that is huge. Oh, yeah. I remember in elementary school always being told, oh, you need to try harder. You need to apply yourself more. You're so smart. You could do really well in school. And like me thinking like, I am trying my hardest. Yeah. Like, And I remember my mom yelling at me when I'd come home with bad papers. And so like they gave us this folder every week with all our papers from the week. And I had to go show it to my mom. She had to sign a thing saying she saw it. And so what I started doing was going through that before I gave it to her and removing all the bad papers and then hiding them in my room. So at the end of the school year, I had a large drawer full of bad papers. I was struggling, but no one knew what to help with because they just thought, oh, he needs to try more. And like, I'm just imagining like all the listeners right now, just like yelling at their speakers to their earbuds going, me too. I had the same experience. Cause I know that I had virtually the same experience as, as you just described. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I got TV taken away for a week one time because my grades weren't where my mom wanted them to be. So, like, I was like, well, I can either get yelled at like this because, like, again, like, that's I thought I was achieving what I could achieve and thought I was just, you know, a C student. But my mom was like, you should be getting all A's. And, you know, she saw something in me that I didn't see it myself. And, yeah, that was rough and, like, just not wanting to be yelled at anymore. You mean you, you don't like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, so thinking about, um, you know, so you're, you're a young new coach, relatively new to the diagnosis. I mean, five years, right? Five years. Yeah. Right. So, you, I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I'll tell you this, Alex, when, if I look at myself even, uh, so I'm going to be 38. <laughs> <laughs> I, turned, I think after I turn 21, I have to think about that. Yeah. so many th- And in the last couple of years, there's been two different times or for about three months of the year, I thought I was a different age than I actually was. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to be 38. Um, And if I think back to my, even just my, my 28 year old self, I like the thing that, that I think is exciting and and why I think there's just so much reason and uh, for hope is the things that I am doing now, managing now, I'm not sure if I would have been able to do when I was 28. Right. Even the stuff that I was doing five years ago, um, I'm not sure if I'd be able to do then. And one of the things that I have been learning uh, just as a as a person with ADHD is as we as we learn more and we gain new skills and we sort of wrestle in the suck, identify what the thing that we're trying to grow uh, area we're trying to grow in and we work on it and we develop mastery. We are then going to be taking on new challenges which then creates the cycle all over again. Because when you take on new challenges, now you're no longer in that area of mastery. You're you're the beginner again, and you need to gain new skills and develop new strategies. You know, and so it's it's the cycle that keeps on happening, right? Um, so I just I think it's a it's a reason for hope and a kind of excitement and 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 curiosity. Just keep going after, it. and when you fall down, keep resetting, right? Yeah, hit the reset button. And yeah, like that's something we talked about at the conference, like our Saturday morning keynote, we had Eduardo Briseño and like he talked about the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And oh, man, that was eye opening. Like I'm, I wrote a four part blog post about it on my website, resetadhd.com slash blog. Um, and we'll post yeah. a link to that in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah. So as of uh, today, November 27th, like part one has come out. Um, 
And then every Monday and Friday, I post a new blog. So by December 7th, the entire thing will be posted. Um, but yeah, no, it was super eye opening. And like, like you talked about, like always finding some place to grow and like recognizing that like you're never done growing and right. like you're, attributes and skills aren't fixed like they're malleable you can grow and you can get better absolutely what is that on your lap <laughs> uh this is ace um when uh, you heard my poem at the conference i just said there's a beagle who loves me and depends on me for food and exercise and as of uh friday uh the friday before thanksgiving little ace joined the family he's so little He's three months old. He's an Alaskan Klee So he'll look like a husky puppy forever. Wow. It's, it's like a mini husky. Yeah. That's he'll be cool. lucky if he hits 20 pounds. Wow. Very cool. So Alex, let me, uh, let's, let's kind of bring this in for, uh, for a landing. One of my, my goals is I'm actually trying to make my episodes a little bit shorter. So I'm watching the, uh, my right now, we're about 48 minutes on the, uh, on the recording right now. And, uh, with ads and everything, we'll probably be close to the hour. So, um, I mean, it's funny. I still think back to my very, very first episode where I said episodes will be between 35 to 45 minutes. I don't think I've ever had an episode that was like under 35 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, not that I'm trying to do that, but I'm going to, I'm experimenting with some different things as, uh, you know, experimenting is kind of how we grow, right? Mm-hmm. I was talking with my uh, my alumni coaching groups uh, today about this idea of just live life in permanent beta, right? Like, yeah, I'm glad you like that. It's not yeah, mine, though. The, I wish I could, really I wish good, I could like, say that was my idea, but it wasn't. Oh, uh, but I think it's a really cool idea because, like, beta, it's out there, it's public, people can play it, or you know, whatever it is. I think of beta testing video games, yeah. but, which I don't actually play video games anymore, but. Um, <laughs> I, I love when tangents go on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will play like if I'm at someone's house and we can do it together. But like as far as solo gaming, I don't do that anymore. Um, I, but beta mode. Um, beta, yes. Uh, so you're out there and you're you're testing it out, but it's still public. Like it's still out there. It still counts, you know. But it's also like still a test. Yeah, and, it's, and still no one's expecting to it to be perfect. Exactly. Yeah, I think one of the quotes you said was it, was it at I think it might have been at the conference. Um, you were qu- quoting Brene Brown saying, "Like at the end of the day, no matter what is done and what is left undone, like I am enough." So, like having that sense of like, you know what, it's not perfect, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know the word "perfect" used to mean right for the situation. And, yeah. and at some point in, you know, in the last, I think, 50 or 60 years, the lexicon has changed and it became to mean without flaw. Yeah. And no and one like, wants things without flaw. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's this, this crazy story we tell ourselves. Yeah. And I think like one of my favorite movies is Goodwill Hunting. And in that movie, they, uh, Robin Williams character talks about how the flaws, the imperfections, like those are the good stuff. Like, especially in like a dating relationship, you know, like. Uh, everybody wants to find the perfect uh, other person for, but like, it's supposed to be the perfect person for you. Right. And, like, exactly. Everyone's going to have flaws. Exactly. I, when I, I'm not here to give any kind of dating advice, but I think it's important that we find someone that has the sort of equal level of n- neurodivergency. Um, you know, it might be a, a different thing, 
right? It may not be ADHD, but I think as long as, you know, each person is, is self-aware and kind of knows what their shit is, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it's, I think that makes for good relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. That understanding, like one of the reasons I think ADHD diagnoses are going up is that people who have ADHD are finding people who also have those same qualities like, oh, you get it. And like, you get why I'm different. And like, so like those qualities like are, are finding each other and then they're being passed on to the next generation. That's totally unscientific, but like, that's kind of my pet theory. All right. Keep, keep working on that and let us know uh, <laughs> what, you, what you come up with. If there's any researchers out there who are like, that's an interesting idea. Uh, contact Alex. Uh, you can also contact Alex if you are uh, looking to work with a, with a coach. Um, if you like what we heard on, uh, on today's conversation, um, how could people reach Alex? Uh, you can go to my website, resetadhd.com, um, at resetadhd on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat a whole lot with, for my business, but yeah, I'm on Facebook too. If you liked my poetry, Alex R. High Poetry, search, search that on YouTube. Reset ADHD also has a YouTube haven't done a whole lot with that yet, but like plans are in the works. I have a fidget toy review video I'm still editing. Filmed it like two, three weeks ago. Part of the reason that I'm still working on it is like the uncut video was like a half hour long. It's just like, oh, far too long for YouTube, especially for ADHD people. Um, yeah. So yeah. Videos, videos, a lot of work to edit. Yeah. And so anyway, if you go to resetadhd.com, there are links to all the social medias there. Awesome. And we'll, we'll yeah. post a, uh, we'll post a link to your website and everything else that you mentioned here, uh, in the show notes, which will be, uh, adhdrewired.com slash, I think 148, whatever episode number this is going to, not 148. Uh, what am I at? 248. Um, whatever episode number this is, it'll just be adhdrewired.com slash whatever episode this is. Um, I think this is going to be coming out next week, which is I think December 3rd, if uh, I'm not looking at my calendar. Um, so next week, May, Tuesday may or may not be December 3rd, but I think it is. Um, or the fourth. I'm going to look at my calendar the right now. The fourth is a Tuesday. Okay, then it will be the fourth. Thank you. How many ish years does it take to get the date right? Um, <laughs> so, Alex, thank you so much for sharing your story, yeah, your poetry. Uh, keep Keep on writing and, uh, you know, the best best of luck and success to you uh, with your new practice. Um, go, go check him out. Go, go give Alex some coaching experience because he is, uh, I think he's a lot to offer. Um, you know, don't think that a, uh, a professional needs to have all their shit together. I know I don't. And I know I'm helping a lot of people and Alex is going to be doing the same thing. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Alex. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care. All right. I want to thank everyone who supports ADHD Rewired on Patreon with their monthly gift. We had a bunch of new patrons who are supporting us this month. So I really want to give a special thanks to all of our new patrons who include Sarah M, Michael L, Cameron A, Rob K, Jen F, Nina Z, E Nigard, John K, Jimbo, Mimi L, Jeffrey M, Saray L, and Kimberly C. If you count on ADHD Rewired and you believe in what I'm doing, know that I can't do this alone. Your support helps pay for the production of this podcast, which is over $500 a month. It's also helping me build and grow my team. Plus, we're actually pretty close to hitting one of our big goals, which is to allow me to give two partial scholarships for upcoming coaching groups. If you're still listening to this, thank you for listening. 
please consider making ADHD Rewired part of your monthly budget. Whether you can give $10, $20, or $50, or even just $5 a month, which is actually our most popular level, every bit helps. To become a patron, go to patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. That's patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. And thanks. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening, and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. Learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content that you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Support ADHD Rewired and help replenish our coaching group scholarship fund by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. Different levels of support get different perks. You can give just a buck or three or five bucks a month or more. Every little bit helps. And it's an awesome way for you to let me know that you value this show, the community, and everything else we do. That's patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube to see select interviews and other videos I've made. The ADHD Rewired community is now a secret group on Facebook, so that's one less reason to not just be a passive listener, but to be an active member of our community. Fill out our short screening form at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We screen everyone before they join. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities or on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Quora, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, your family, your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone or even do it for them. And if you really love this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things you really can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher or any other podcast app that supports and accepts ratings and reviews. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Need some ideas on where to start other than Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection, Darren Greatly, Rising Strong, or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability? Then I would recommend The One Thing by Gary Keeler. Oh, and if you by any chance know Brene Brown, please let her know how grateful I am for all of her work and what she means to me and the ADHD community. 
and that she's welcome on my show anytime. And in the one in like seven billion chance that Brene, you're listening, please come and be a guest. Thanks. This is Eric Tivers reminding you, keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. And no matter how hard it all feels, remember, we can do hard things. Until next time. <laughs>